Boom Blast. This is week 14 of I'll Name This Football Pod Later, part of the On Blast Podcast Network, available on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, and on YouTube. Tell your friends. My name is Sheldon Alexander, and as always, I'm joined by Matt Russell, sports betting professional and host of the Windows Sports Betting Podcast. Mr. Russell, how you doing as we quickly turn from week 13 to week 14? Yeah, uh, in the history of the NFL, have we ever had this turnaround this quick, right? I was throwing Monday games in with Thursday games at this point. You know, is there really a divide when it comes to the weeks, right? We're going to have a longer break between this Thursday game than we do to the Sunday games as we've had from the previous week. But I'm fired up, man. We're getting a little festive for those of us watching on the YouTube channel. Um, uh, yeah, let's let's finish this season strong here. Four more weeks to go. It's hard to believe that we're you know we're here, uh, but it's time to get serious about uh, finishing in the green here for you because I know that you're sort of teetering uh, above 500. So we're gonna finish strong for you. Let's do it right and for sure. What we try to do on this pod, it's kind of simple. We talk the NFL, but from a gambling perspective. That means point spread, survivor picks, sucker bets. Maybe even some little over-unders Mr. Russell will throw our way here and there. Some little nuggets. Who knows? But we start off with the point spreads, and I try to tell you what side I'm leaning on, coming in with more so the Joe Public side or the Joe Public narrative. Mr. Russell comes in with some numbers, some information, some education, let's say, about where the line is, where it came from, and where it's going. All in all, at the end of the day, trying to help us all win some money each and every week. And as you mentioned, I'm just trying to stay above 500, win more than I lose. Last week was one of those weeks again where it's like, I feel really good about this week. And then it ends and it's like eight and seven record. (laughs) (laughs) And it's so much, it's just football happened as, as always, as per usual. But for the season, we're looking at 94, 92 and six on the season. And again, just trying to win more than I lose. And it's funny because I saw, you know, there's all, obviously the interwebs is filled with a lot of things. A lot of people throwing picks out there and stuff. And I've seen some things where I was like, Oh, people are like 20 games over 500 this season. I'm like, I hope you're like winning a lot of money on that. (laughs) Or else I'm kind of like questioning what's going on. But that's a story for another day. Story for another day. Absolutely. (laughs) Right. But let's start with the Thursday nighter because things are coming hot and quick, as we mentioned, for week 14 here. And we got the Rams as five-point favorites on Thursday night football to the six and six New England Patriots. This game is nicely in the Vegas zone. But to me, the Vegas zone is always trying to tell us something. And for me, the fishiness here is the Pats are getting a little too much respect here with this line. The Rams, to me, should roll in this game. I get the Belichick factor. I really do. But I get it more so against Anthony Lynn, Cliff Kingsbury, Sean McVay, not so much. I think he's a really good coach. I just don't believe in the Pats running game that was so dominant the past few weeks. And you look at last week, they win 45 nothing. Cam Newton threw for 69 yards. Can they follow that up again against this Rams team? I don't think so. What side are you leaning on here? Yeah, this one's this one's interesting, right? Because this line opened six and a half for the Rams, right? So sports books out there are going, yeah, like, you know, this is sort of a bit of a comeuppance here. We talk all the time about these teams 
you know, do they, are they playing up to the competition? Are they playing down to the competition? Are they, you know, going up a level when it comes to their competition? And when it comes to the coaching, you're right, right? Like you can't get worse than Cliff Kingsbury or Anthony Lynn, right? Adam Gase is waving his hand saying, what about me? Don't worry, Adam, you're involved in this as well. But, you know, you're getting, you're coming off of those two guys. Like, yes, Belichick can do what he does to get that, get the team the win that week. So the narrative is the Patriots, are they back? Are they rolling here a little bit? You know, six and six now, they're sort of eyeing a potential playoff spot. But, you know, and oh, by the way, they've stayed out in LA, right? As if like staying out in LA is all of a sudden, you know, means all that much when you're going up against a a Rams team here, which you listen, quick, you know, we're gonna start you off with a little trivia here. There's Mm -hmm. two teams in the league that rank in the top 10 in both offense and defense. First of all, can you name them? Offense and defense. Because you're bringing it up right now, I'm going to say the Rams is one of them. (laughs) Very good. We're going to lead you into that. Here's the other one. The Chargers. Yeah. Top 10 in offense and defense. The point is, is that you, you know, you go up against the Chargers and you go, you know what, there's all this other hidden stuff that we can do to beat the Chargers, even though they're good on offense and they're good on defense, right? And that's what Belichick will do. That's why special teams was a historically bad matchup for the Chargers last week. This week, it's kind of back to normal football. And Cam Newton's going to have to throw the ball a lot more. He's, you know, less than 100 yards in the last two games against the Cardinals and the Chargers. Mm-hmm. we've seen the money sort of come in here and the Patriots be this popular play. And, you know, we've been kind of hopping back and forth and back and forth here. And you'll mm-hmm. recall, you know, two weeks ago, you know, we were off of them against Houston. Yeah. Well, I don't see why we wouldn't necessarily be right back off them again here against the Rams. So for me, once you're ticking this thing down to five and it can get a little scary because we saw on Monday, the, the Steelers number coming all the way down to five and a half from, you know, what started at like eight and a half. And of course, sure enough, right, Washington wins that game outright. So you do get a little bit afraid here when you see this number tick down. Yeah. But in this case, you know, on Monday, it was like, who likes, who likes the Washington football team at this number? Like it seemed a little bit more confusing and a little bit more surprising in this case. Like I understand why people like the Patriots, right? People often like the Patriots, especially when you can sort of, you know, it's December, like all of the narrative stuff is there for the Patriots. But at the end of the day, I don't think they're a very good football team still. They've, played each other in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, right? And the Patriots did it all against the, you know, defensively against the Rams. And so you sit there and you go, well, let's just grab that playbook, you know, out of of the drawer and let's use that. (laughs) The problem is the guys for the Patriots that were on that team are no longer on that team or they're two years older. And for the Patriots, that's a bad thing. For the Rams, the guys who are on that team that are still on that team are two years older but that's a good thing for the Rams, right? It's Jared Goff, two years older. It's a lot of their other sort of skill players, two years older. It's even McVay, two years more experience, right? Absolutely, right? And there was a ton of things that as somebody who thought the Rams could win that game, listen, that game was a pick that wasn't sort of an insane take necessarily. 
But there were things that the Rams could have done in that game using more two tight end sets. There's a bunch of other different sort of football stuff that they could be throw to the running backs, all of those sorts of things that they just didn't do. And watching that Super Bowl that year was incredibly frustrating because they didn't do that. And I think McVay came away from that game going, man, I got absolutely housed from a coaching standpoint. And that's a guy who's not going to forget that. We already know that he's got this like incredible football memory. So it's not like he's forgotten losing a Super Bowl to Bill Belichick. <laughs> and so, sure. you know, I don't know that that's a narrative because I, don't, I haven't heard that much about sort of the revenge angle from the Rams here. Yeah. But if there was ever a time to be able to get revenge on the Patriots, doesn't it feel like it's this season with this Rams team that I think is very good and I think does actually win and cover tonight? Yeah, I like the Rams a lot. I don't really see how, like this will be one of the, the Jedi mind tricks of Bill Belichick, just like, you know, doing it again. Like, I will be stunned if the Patriots come up and win this game. So you're telling me it's a touchdown? I can, and I say a touchdown because obviously five points is a random number, but I'm like, I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, As we move on, though, to the other games for week 14, I think we kind of should start with where things just ended, meaning we got the Steelers, who we just watched play, and they're in a quick turnaround against the Bills, who we also just watched played right. the nine and three bills hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers. The bills are two and a half point underdogs under a field goal. I feel like I like the bills, but over a field goal, I'd start leaning towards the Steelers. I don't really know like what to make of the Steelers for real, because I feel like they've been sure. playing with fire or for a few weeks. Even if you go back to that game, they almost lost to your man's Gilbert and the Cowboys, right? Like the Steelers have been playing with fire and then they finally got burned against Alex Smith and the Washington football team. So I don't know. I don't, I don't really know which side to lean on here. I I think I would rather be on the side of the bills at this point, but I don't like it by any stretch. Yeah, we've got ourselves, and it's actually sort of a two-part thing. So I'm going to throw a bit of a curveball to you here because there's actually a handful of games that I think sort of cluster together this week in a weird way. And one of them, or in this case, two of them. So first off, right, Buffalo and Pittsburgh. So let's sort of talk about that. And from a value standpoint, going into last week, the Steelers were two-and-a-half-point favorites on the road on the look-ahead line to the Bills. And it swung that And much. it swung and flipped to the other side. Okay. And in some cases, you can even get three with the Steelers. And I think that's okay. the key number to remember here, getting plus three with the Steelers, because that's the side that I'm going to be on on Sunday night. So in a normal season, you go Sunday night game here, Bills, like all kinds of excitement about this team. You know what I mean? Like high energy, et cetera, et cetera. Again, not going to be that high energy in that stadium, unfortunately, for the Bills. Secondly, remember, what is our key tenant, our key sort of thing here with the Buffalo Bills? Josh Allen. Josh Allen in peak conditions, right? So we like him in the dome. We like him in, you know, unseasonably warm weather. Guess what's coming this weekend, right? We're talking gale force winds. We're talking, you know, like cold. We're talking some snow, potentially some flurries going on. So we're getting all sorts of flurries and stuff happening on Sunday night, right? We're not even getting the afternoon. Maybe there'll be some sunshine in Buffalo. And so now we're starting to picture that game against Kansas City from, what, a couple months ago, 
where Josh Allen couldn't hit the broadside of a barn with a throw. So he's yeah. looked as good as Josh Allen will ever look in his life. And I'm not saying that he won't, you know, have another good game like that somewhere down the line, even potentially this season, maybe for some reason, even this Sunday, but it's yeah. never going to look that good or better for Josh Allen. So the hype is real right now for the Buffalo Bills, mm-hmm. right? People are starting to sit around going, you know, if they just had knocked the ball down from DeAndre Hopkins that one week, they'd be 10 and two and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. So we already know that it's not going to be as good as it looked from an offensive standpoint for the Bills. So then you go, yeah. okay, well, what's the story with the Steelers right now? And you're right, right? They were not an undefeated team. We've talked about this, you know, about there was no sort of worry for me that they were going to go undefeated, even though they were sort of sitting at 11 and 0 and it was just sort of a matter of time. And I thought maybe it would be this game where they would yeah. come in undefeated and the bills would give it to them. In this case, they've already gotten that loss out of the way. Maybe there's a little bit of relief there. Mike Tomlin will finally be able to, and I'm not saying that he's like lost the locker room, but this is a situation where Mike Tomlin's going to have everybody's ear. He tried it after the Ravens game, right? Calling them yeah. junior varsity, but they're like, we won that game. <laughs> bro like we don't care that much about what are your name calling and now they've lost a game to a team that i don't know that they had a ton of respect for going into that game and so now it's like okay full attention here and you're getting this team that's still a pretty good team going on the road as underdogs this is the spot where you want to back the steelers right it's not it's never a big point spread against a team they don't really care about it's this type of spot now you go man that offense looks pretty rough right they don't run the ball they just choose not to it's borderline comical at this point right but their short passing game offense if there's some troublesome weather here if there's wind i think suits the situation better than josh allen just slinging the ball all over the field right the balls get away from josh allen when he has to deal with the inclement weather ben roethlisberger Ben Roethlisberger has been doing this for 20 years, dealing with Pittsburgh December weather and this short passing game that they have, because it's not like Buffalo's running the ball all that well either. And this is certainly a different defensive matchup for the Bills. So I think you're supposed to bet the Steelers here. We're looking for plus three as the number to bet here. And I think it'll be indicative that we're probably on the right side. If it doesn't get to plus three, I'd be worried about the bills. I mean, not from a big picture standpoint, this is just a really tough spot to get up after that big Monday night win, right? They were all talking about, Oh, first Monday night win in, you know, this century or blah, blah, blah. And it's like, now you're going to come home. (laughs) Yeah. You're going to come home and you're going to play the Steelers outdoors, terrible weather. And the Steelers are going to be hungry because by the way, the Steelers are still hunting for that first overall seed in the AFC and that buy. So this isn't just a letdown situation for the Steelers. This is a time to jump on the Steelers here as an undervalued team. And that doesn't happen very often for the Steelers. Not at all. I like, I, I, it's interesting, right? And it, it's kind of right where I was on. I don't really like the Bills, but once we're talking, we're getting into three, definitely leading the Steelers there for sure. Moving on though, to the other teams that played late into week 13, the Niners, at four and seven, hosting Washington. Well, kind of hosting Washington because they're in Arizona again. Uh, mm-hmm. Washington at five and seven. Washington obviously coming off their big win against the Steelers, but Washington is three point dogs against the Niners. I find this kind of weird. I don't know if if I'm just too uh, if I'm just too influenced by what I just saw by the Niners against the Bills, and that maybe yeah. could be it. But the Niners as three point favorite seems kind of weird to me. 
also, this isn't a real home game, right? So it's a road right. game for the Niners. So you're trying to tell me that if this game was the Super Bowl or what? Do you know what I mean? Like, a, this yeah. is a neutral site game. Yeah, so and I don't know. How are the Niners three-point favorites? That kind of seems weird to me. But sure. am I just too influenced because I just watched the Steelers beat, lose to the Washington <laughs> football team and the Niners get lose to the Bills? Like, is that what's happening here? You've summed it up perfectly because, yes, you are. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I'm glad, you know, because I mentioned sort of clustering these games because isn't it strange, right, that those four teams that played on Monday just sort of traded opponents yeah. to play this Sunday? Like, it's weird yep. how that worked out, especially since it wasn't supposed to work out that way. That wasn't the plan total for the NFL, right? And so as much as the value has now sort of flipped here to the Steelers in that game, it's the same thing with the 49ers. This was a line okay. that was four and a half, even, even as of Monday. And so I was able to okay. hop on Washington plus four and a half for no other reason other than I know that that line is coming down because like you said, people watch those two games and they go, well, Washington can win a road game against a decent team. Like why should San Francisco be favored? And on the flip side, like why should San Francisco be favored? They just got smoked by Buffalo. Well, I mean, I think that game was a little bit closer than people are sort of willing to admit True given the fact that, you know, Josh Allen had some incredible acting performance um, when he, he when they got a free first down on a third and long in a 10-point game, you never know necessarily what's going to happen uh, if they had to punt, for example, in that situation. Mm-hmm. So maybe a little bit, you know, undervalued here for the 49ers. I'm not necessarily saying in the same way that we have to go grab the 49ers minus three here because I do like what Washington has been doing, but they are going into this game probably without Antonio Gibson, right? And okay. that's going to be a factor when you sort of start from scratch here at 0-0. Zero, zero. Um, and, you know, listen, the Steelers are sort of ripe, right? They were sort of ripe for the picking, and Washington had this incredible rest advantage, right? Literally yeah. double the amount of time that that the Steelers had off. And so that's gone out the window. For the, for the 49ers, we talked about how this was such a key game for their season. And the thing that would worry me about this is that they lost this sort of pivotal game. And now it can kind of feel like maybe the season is over here. But what I like here is at least this game, the neutral site-ness of it and the quick turnaround is that they haven't had a chance to go home or haven't had to go on the road and then come back. I'd be very worried about them after they go on the road and then come back. And of course, Shannon was talking about how He's giving the team, you know, they're going to be in San Francisco for Christmas. And it's like, like, okay, well, how's that week going to look? So it all looks very sort of sketchy from that standpoint, but we're not quite into that territory when it comes to San Francisco here. So I do think you are getting some value at San Francisco minus three. That being said, like I've already bet it at plus plus four and a half here. So I'm sort of ahead of the game, I have to admit. But I might come back over the top on San Francisco and create what I call a synthetic line, which would essentially mean that if I'm betting San Francisco minus the three and it lands on three, I'm still a winner because of that Washington plus four and a half bet from earlier. So it essentially becomes San Francisco minus two and a half in a way. So a lot going on with that game, but it is funny that it's tied into Pittsburgh and Buffalo in the same way. And so I'm not saying like run out to bet San Francisco. It's just, that's kind of what you have to understand about this line. It was higher than three. And so there's only so far it can really fall given the fact that it was as high as four and a half. You're obviously even higher than that potentially before this past week. The one thing, and I don't know the answer to this, but 
I feel like Josh Allen, as you said, he's running around, he's whipping it around downfield. That's not Alex Smith, right? Like that's not what we're going to see from Washington's offense. And so the Niners D is in a better position to at least uh, bend a lot more versus Washington than they were against the Bills. So that'll be interesting to see going forward as well. And hey, maybe at the end of the day, I should just have more faith in my own squad, right? But hey, I I try to remain neutral. It's when we're talking about picking the lines and all that. You never really hear me just blindly being like, I'm riding with my Niners. Not a thing. So, okay, (laughs) we'll see. We'll see. Uh, As we move on to the Chiefs and the Dolphins, 11-1 11 and 1 Chiefs, 7 point favorites in Miami against the 8 and 4 Dolphins. Now, the Chiefs don't cover, but the Dolphins struggle to score. <laughs> so this is a very tough one because yeah. there's there's two things going on here and I'm leaning towards the Chiefs just because I feel like they're due for a blowout. It's been four straight weeks that they've had these kind of really close-ish games where right. you know, the games are kind of in the balance late. They're kind of due, but more importantly, the Dolphins offense is just struggling so much. And I don't know if their defense, I don't know if there's any defense that can actually stop the Chiefs, right? So like, I don't know if that's a thing. The the Broncos did as good as you could imagine. And they still had no chance to win the game. So it's kind of really weird. I don't know. I, I feel like the, with all that Miami did, they still struggled to blow out the Bengals. Yeah, and, and listen, the, the, the Chiefs are always going to be the quote-unquote square play, right? The public play, right? And, yeah. you know, people have been just giving money over to the sports books. We've talked about it, oh, even yeah. through sign, kind of no fault of their own, right? Like Kansas City dominates Tampa Bay, but they still don't cover the number because the number's inflated to a point where, right, that half point makes the yeah. difference. In this case... Well, we were on the Broncos last week. Right? Oh, yeah. We were warning people. Oh, we were warning was... the signal. We had the oh, signal out. Absolutely. And oh, it's not, they haven't been taking our money. They have been taking no. other people's money. <laughs> let, me just, let me just define that for Fair. a second. You're right. Um, so it wouldn't be insane for the Chiefs to finally cover a game. And I don't know that like sports books are going out of business because the Chiefs cover a game. And there is some good sort of mojo here from a public standpoint and from a better standpoint about this Miami team, right? They have been covering a fair amount of these games here problem is yeah like you said from this from a matchup standpoint you know i'm fine with backing the broncos as big underdogs because i know the broncos are going to run the football now they probably should have ran it a little bit more but Mm -hmm. i digress right and that's how you're going to (laughs) you're going to keep up with the kansas city chiefs it's not really what the dolphins do right they don't really run the football they don't really have guys that they sort of commit to doing that they just sort of get it done offensively I don't want to say smoke and mirrors, but kind of jump ball to Parker, jump ball to Gasicki, sort of mm-hmm. kind of hoping for the best here. And defensively, you're right. Like the Dolphins is, has a really good defense, but it's within the context of 2020, right? And the new NFL. A really good defense means you turn the other team over to stop possessions. Not that you force necessarily three and out punting scenarios, right? Like Denver was able to force a ton of field goals there, but that was you know, felt pretty outlier-ish in that game that it was just field goal after field goal after field goal. So the, you know, as good as the Dolphins defense has been, right, a lot of it has been against pretty weak competition. And listen, we saw Drew Locke and the Broncos carve up the Dolphins defense. And the Dolphins were able even still to get a turnover on Drew Locke. Well, Patrick Mahomes comes to town. And there's one thing Patrick Mahomes does not do 
it's yeah. turn the ball over, right? And so they're not <laughs> going to get those abbreviated drives down. They're going to have to stop them in the same way that Denver did. And I don't see that necessarily happening for the Dolphins here. And I don't yeah. see them keeping up offensively. I still think the Chiefs do score their 28 to 31 points. And even though the Chiefs defense isn't great, it's just a bad matchup for the Dolphins offense. I don't know that they get to 20 here. This feels a little 31 to 17-y for me and that the Chiefs will have finally covered and take some of the money that people have started to sort of put towards fading the Chiefs in this circumstance, right? And we're looking at minus seven here. We're not dealing with the seven and a half, which is that sort of extra hook element that the Chiefs Chiefs have having, you know, been forcing people to pay in order to bet them. So I think we're actually getting a decent number here with the Chiefs as well. I like it. I like it. Finally, good to see it. A decent number, right? It's like a Chiefs by a touchdown. I'm not mad at that. I got you. I got you. Uh, Let's move on here to the 8-4 and Colts as three-point favorites in Las Vegas against the 7-5 and Raiders. And the Raiders off of an interesting win against the Jets, and we'll say that much. Now, the Raiders three-point dogs, right? This seems fishy because obviously it matters if Jacobs comes back, right? We, we know how huge Jacobs is for the Raiders, and I think he's going to be back in the lineup. But still, they should have lost to the Jets, right? And I know yeah. they should have lost to the Jets without, like, I know, I got to separate these things because it's two different things going on here. But I, I feel like yeah. the point I'm trying to make, though, is the Colts defense is really good. I don't know if I can say anything's really good about the Jets. <laughs> and that's a game I just watched last week. I don't know. I, I, I feel like in a normal circumstance, my initial, my initial move is to just jump on the Colts by three. Right. But one thing I've been learning from doing this pod with you Right. Or this season. We're in week 14 now. It's yeah. the don't take the massive overreactions from week to week. Don't let them carry you yeah. from week to week. And so Raiders getting three points at home? Hmm? Yeah. Yeah, you're on it, man. You did okay, it. Like, right, you did it. Right. You, you, you talked yourself back down. Uh, <laughs> listen, like, what do the you know, like? Yeah, what do the Jets have going for them? Uh, well, you know, Greg Williams isn't walking through the door anymore for the Jets, but that's uh, that's for a later game. Uh, for the Raiders here, a couple of different things, right? The injury report. You mentioned Josh Jacobs. The other thing here is, uh, from a defensive standpoint, a couple of guys in the defensive backfield. Jonathan Abram is a guy who I think at some point. Um, if he, if the Raiders get on prime time a little bit more, he's eventually going to do something and it's going to, uh, involve us finally figuring out that Jonathan Abram is an absolute lunatic. (laughs) <laughs> flat out nutcase, right? I expected but it's sort more of, from Hard Knocks, and he, he he was okay on Hard Knocks, but still not as much as like I expected. Like deranged on the football field, right? Like yeah. headhunter, sort of very old school type of guy in a new school way here. But he didn't play against the Jets, right? And they also very early on, and it's this is sort of weird to say out loud, but this is what we do here. Early on, first drive, I believe, of the game, right? Frank Gore takes a handoff. He goes and head down head-to-head combat with Damon Arnett, another one of the young Raiders DBs. And they both go wobbling off the field with a concussion. 
The strange thing is about the Jets, that injury for the Jets is actually good news for them because they no longer have to put a 38-year-old running back in the lineup, right? Now, all of a sudden, their younger guys get in there. They're starting to have – they got a little burst, right? They're getting the edge. They're, the four-yard runs are turning into eight-yard runs. And on the flip side, right, it's another backup DB coming in for the Raiders, right? So it actually worked out in both senses for the Jets in that one. Point is, if we get both Arnett – um, and, you know, both guys back here for the Raiders and we had, you know, Josh Jacobs, you know, we get a healthy Raiders defense that I think is going to be the key here for sort of slowing down the Colts who, you know, looked pretty good ish last week, but I felt like that was a game that they should have absolutely smoked the Texans and they yeah. kept the Texans right in that game. And to be honest with you, I was writing that off as a loss yeah up until the point of the bad snap where Deshaun Watson was, you know, wasn't able to corral it and the game was over. And so um, this line was pick them, you know, heading into last week. And because of what happened with that game being what happened for the Raiders, now that's where that value is coming in, where you're going, we're getting essentially a full three points here, assuming all those guys are back healthy with the Raiders. And one of the reasons that we were on the Jets, and listen, I was one of like the 11 people in North America with a Jets money line ticket (laughs) in that game. So, you know, I watched all of that game. (laughs) Um, You know, I, you know, Cleveland Farrell wasn't supposed to play or he was questionable and like they weren't sure if he was going to play he missed a couple of games before that well he plays in that game and all of a sudden it's strip sack city for sam darnold right well who loves a strip sack more than phil rivers nobody that i know so you know like there's a bunch of different reasons to sort of you know think that the raiders are going to bounce back here and well kirk cousins does enjoy a strip sack as well (laughs) um but you know and as much as the you know the jets won that game like that game was over under sort of any salient coaching Mm-hmm. it was still an 11 point game in the fourth quarter. Like I was True. still sweating the cover in the fourth True. quarter. And you know, if you know, Henry Ruggs gets all the credit for catching this deep pass, but he also fumbled a ball that let the jets back in this game. And so, um, you know, if he doesn't fumble that, that ball, then, you know, maybe we have sort of this easy Raiders win and things are back to normal in this game's a pick So we're going to take the three points here because we don't often get sort of three free points. And the market doesn't seem to realize just yet that we're getting those three free points because people are kind of in love here still with the Colts or maybe just flat out fall out of love with the Raiders after the last two weeks. I think, I think the latter. I think the latter there for sure. And I, I want to just yes. emphasize... Um, for this pod and how important it's been just going through this for me. And I think a lot of other people who come in as, you know, beginner gamblers or people who are just in their office pools or people who are playing their pro line tickets and just understanding what you said there, which is very key, where the line started, where it is now and where it could be going. Like those things are so important as opposed to just picking a game and seeing the line and being like, Oh, three points. Okay. I'm going to do blank context matters kids absolutely man who what when where and why right hey take it back to what what was that like grade three grade four something like that (laughs) grade three and or journalism school like it's sort of both of those things uh there's a lot of things i could say right now about journalism school but maybe (laughs) i'll save that for another podcast (laughs) you'll save that for pod later Yes, I, I, I like that. I see what you did there. Uh, let's move on here to the Giants who are riding high all of a sudden. The New York football Giants who are at five and seven hosting the Cards who are six and six. The Giants are home dogs at two and a half points. 
Is Danny Jones back? I don't know. Don't really care because you were right. You told me Colt McCoy was more than serviceable and not that much of a drop-off from your man's Danny Dimes. But even a bigger note for the Giants so far is I think their defense is looking much more improved than they did earlier on in the season. And on the flip side, Kyler Murray is definitely banged up. I don't really think that the, the cards are in a good position here at all. I don't know if I'm if I'm like just feeling the, the Giants a little too much because I just watched them win against Seattle. But I kind of like them as home dogs in this game. Yeah, the Giants defense here, listen, it's it's a, a no-name defense, right? And, and NFL is littered, you know, history has been littered with these no-name type of defenses, right? But the key guy on that defense is a guy who sounds like he should have been in modern day Christmas classic love, actually, James Bradbury. And he is shutting people down, right? He's not British, he's American, but he's absolutely shutting guys down. And listen, shutting guys down means being serviceable against DK Metcalf last week. Well, guess what? DeAndre Hopkins, who's had it rough the last few weeks with these various matchups, right? Stephon Gilmore, uh, Jalen Ramsey last week, and here is James Bradbury, probably the best player on that Giants defense. And I, I can't remember seeing a team that plays so noticeably hard like this is the nfl which is just collisions everywhere like i wouldn't want to be anywhere near an nfl football (laughs) you watch these giants and they're doing like somersaults to like fly around and you know get to loose balls even when the ball isn't necessarily all that loose and so the giants don't need to do much on offense to win these games because they're keeping the scores down and listen you know how we feel about the Cardinals, right? It has yeah. been sell, sell, sell on the Cardinals. And maybe we're catching a break here with Kyler Murray potentially being injured. But even before the sort of theoretical injury that he may have, we were still on this team sort of looking around and going, there's a lot of hype for a not really all that much because you've got totally. a couple of really fluky wins. So again, we're going to keep the fade going here with the Cardinals. In a lot of ways, it's more about that than it is with the Giants. And by the way, two and a half you talked about it as of this morning this line's down to one and a half so we were sitting around kind of waiting to see if we might get three the same way that we are with say the Steelers and a couple other games doesn't look like that's going to happen because in this case when the market does that and a line is two and a half and all of us who want to bet the Jets aren't doing it yet because we want to bet the plus three hoping that again all of the public steam that we see every week with the Cardinals we're hoping it gets to three and it doesn't somebody comes in some big money comes in because it's not the public coming in on a Thursday morning betting the Giants all this money comes in and goes you know what two and a half good enough for me I'll bet it like we're not even going to wait for the three you do have to sort of perk up on a Thursday we've talked about the limit betting right we'll talk about that in a little bit more in a game coming up here as well but on a Thursday morning when that line moves that's something to reckon and I like the Jets to win this game on the or Giants I should say to win this game on the field here as who knew it man but Washington football team and the Giants battling it out for the NFC East NFC East action who knew right who knew the NFC action NFC East action would be that entertaining for us I mean A lot of people, I don't know how many people had the Giants winning that game last week against the Seahawks, but hey, here we are. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fresh off a bye week, you got Tampa Bay, seven and five bucks as six and a half point favorites hosting the six and six Vikings. As mentioned, coming off a bye, I just feel the, the bucks, it's less than a touchdown. 
Brady and company did not look too good before the bye. I think the bye gives them a chance to really get in the lab, figure some things out, and what better medicine is there than Kirk Cousins? <laughs> Absolutely. And so I've just been firing, you know, for those of you watching on YouTube, I've just been firing up the old phone here because I have a stat for you. And I missed okay. it because we, you know, the sort of first time around, if you will, uh, talking about the Patriots here. But I want to reel this off to you. This is from Scott Kazmar, who okay. is NFL writer, um, you know, sort of an analytical type guy. Um, and he tweets earlier this week. So the Patriots are one yard short in Seattle from having the same seven and five record as the Tampa, as Tampa Bay right now. <laughs> Ham himself is six and five in his last 11 starts with New England, right? Because he obviously missed that one game against the Chiefs, which is the same record that Brady had in his last 11 starts with New England last year and in those last 11 starts cam has 16 total touchdowns and 7.2 yards per attempt and brady 14 total touchdowns and 5.98 yards per attempt and so as much as we're sort of slagging newton a little bit for not being able to throw it around the point is here he's actually been an upgrade throwing the football and a dead even record from Tom Brady at the end last season, right? And so what does that necessarily have to do with this Tampa game? You know, we, you know, we were going on a roll there about the Belichick versus Tom type situation. Yeah. And in this, for me here, I go, okay, so, you know, we knew that Tom was on the way out from New England. And is it because he was necessarily washed up? Was it necessarily he was tired of everything going on with New England? And now he finds himself with Tampa. And it's been nothing really but kind of disappointing across the board here, right? And so now, you know, if we grab a bunch of these games, and we talked about Kansas City, and we're going to talk, you know, a bunch of these other seven-point-ish spreads, right? There's a handful of them this week. And it's funny yeah. because I say seven-point-ish because there's some sitting on seven, some at seven and a half, and some at six and a half. And you sort of, if you look at these as a whole, and you go, why six and a half for some, and why seven or seven and a half for others, right? Because it all sort of feels like it's kind of the same thing because it's obviously is kind of the same thing right we don't often get this many of those right even last week i think we had like one so you look at all these games and and it's and the eye is drawn to this and this is the one right now that's six and a half and it's funny that it is right below that seven right because don't you think that the you know, the love for Tampa and the idea of, okay, they're coming off a bye, they're going to have everything tightened up, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You know, that's going to lend itself to a lot of people liking Tampa Bay at minus six and a half because you're not having to deal with that seven. So isn't it funny that they're just sitting there at six and a half going like, yeah, go ahead, like Tampa all you want. Nobody wants anything to do with the Vikings after the last couple of games here, last three games, essentially all home games, by the way. But I talked yesterday (laughs) on the podcast you know, and maybe it's taken me this long to sort of figure it out. But if you're a team that has a home field advantage most of the time, and all of that has been taken away this year, with the exception of maybe Denver because of the, you know, environment, if you will. But like Minnesota is a team that had a significant home field advantage, right? Very loud, dome, passionate fan base, et cetera, et cetera. And now you run out of the tunnel and just nobody's there. 
and it almost acts as like the reverse, right? It isn't, it ceases to then be a neutral field. It's almost, you're, it's just kind of a bummer, right? You're just less pumped up than you would normally be, all of that kind of thing. So for these types of teams, I actually like them going on the road because it's not like they're going on the road to a raucous environment and they're sitting there going like, oh, we can barely hear the, call, the calls, any of that sort of thing, right? They're actually delighted to be on the road. And now, by the way, and the whole point is they're getting six and a half points. So yeah. it's kind of an ugly one here, but I'm going to be on the Vikings plus six and a half here. Okay. If it gets to seven, more the better. I can't okay. even necessarily tell you how they are going to win this game, <laughs> but I think they kind of have a chance to do so because I don't think that what's ailing the Bucks is going to be fixed overnight. Now, maybe they get Ali Marpet back, who's an offensive lineman that has been a key yeah. you know, issue there, but they're still without their center, who has essentially been forced to retire due to a neck injury. And you know, fundamentally, even with all the weapons that they have, they're still throwing the ball to Leonard Fournette. And we've talked about it a bunch yeah. of different times, but like something's broken there between Brady, Arians, and Leftwich. And does it get fixed in that bye week? I'm not necessarily sure that it does. Also, too, it was very weird if you remember back to that game, that KC game, Tony Romo on the call. Tony Romo was clearly, clearly, clearly just defending Tom Brady the entire game, right? Absolutely. Like, and, and I don't know if, you know, there are people alluding to, well, he clearly talked to Brady and found out that he has beef with Arians and, you know, what I mean? and there's people alluding and trying to assume a lot of different things, but more so to your point, something's definitely up it didn't look good at all and we'll find out for sure because if it's not quote unquote fixed like if they don't look good coming out of this week then it's just a wrap for them in more ways than one yeah yeah if not now when right absolutely exactly uh so we have the eight and four titans is seven and a half point favorites as you just mentioned looking at these spreads here it's the seven number um seven and a half point favorites against the jags so they're on the road as seven and a half point favorites. I don't love it being over a touchdown. I really right. don't. But I do like how, and I hate this sounds like a moral victory thing because I'm not about moral victories. Moral victories mean absolutely nothing in gambling. But I'm saying I like how, I know backdoor covers, but do you know what I'm saying? Sure. Like, Yeah, yeah. I was going to say they kind of do. Right? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I know what you're saying. But I, I mean like yeah, yeah. the, the yeah. fact that, I like that they kept playing. Like they yeah. got their teeth kicked in against the Browns. And it would you have blamed them of just being like, oh shit, we had the wrong game plan. We just weren't ready for this game and pack it in. And no, they went the other way. They kept coming, kept playing. That score line of 41 to 35, yeah. I mean, it was weird, but they were literally playing right to the end of the game. And I think yeah. that when I watch that, I think, okay, this team is still for real. This was just a blip. That's, right. that's, what, that's how I'm reading it. Now, you're coming in yeah. against the Jags. Yeah. Seven and a half points, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's the Jags. And right. I just think the, the Titans are just way better. And I could see yeah. them coming back and just rolling. Yeah, but isn't it funny, though, and it's funny because you're talking about sort of moral victories with the context of the Titans. And as you were talking about it, I was thinking of moral victories in the context of the Jags, because they are just racking up moral victories, or as we call it in the (laughs) business, spread covers, right? Every week, it's but it's the Jags, and whether it's Jake Luton against the Texans, or whether it's against the aforementioned Browns that you just talked about, right? Or, of course, last week against the Vikings that we also just talked about. 
it's they're still putting in work here, right? They are sure. still getting these moral quote unquote victories that yeah. are cashing our Jags tickets every week. And so um, this seven and a half, like, you know, if I, if I put the same logic to it that I just did with regards to the Vikings, then we're supposed to take the Titans here, right? Because they're mm-hmm. asking us to take the Jags. Problem is they're asking us to take the Jags because nobody likes the Jags, right? Like <laughs> it's, it is less sort of um, sneaky in a way. Yeah. It's more just like, you know, like take the Jags because we're always going to need Jag money at this point because it doesn't matter that they cover more often than the Kansas City Chiefs do, right? People are still not going to bet the Jags. And isn't that just the miracle that is the NFL and its success that we can sit here and be like, the Jags are actually more profitable in betting. And hold on. And when you you say most people, again, you're not talking about us because we've been happily riding the Jags for weeks and covering <laughs> and all the these Chiefs. tickets. Absolutely. Yes, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And so, you know, why wouldn't we, right? Because I don't okay. think that people are lining up to bet the Jags here still. And so as long mm-hmm. as this sort of, you know, underdog gravy train, if you will, can keep going, why wouldn't okay. we keep riding it, right? And maybe it's like okay. the same thing with the Cardinals and the Cardinals win and we lose that bet and the Titans cover and we lose that bet and we go, oh, okay, like, well, we had a good run right? Overall, it worked out for us. From a football standpoint, right? We talked, you and I talked about it on Monday, but the Tennessee Titans defense is not very good. And it, it, no. when it has to deal with play action passing, it becomes one of the worst in the entire league, right? Against play action passing. Well, what do the Jags like to do? Like the Jags will run the football. They will just hand the ball off to James Robinson, right? The most underrated running back in the entire league. Believe he's third in the NFL in rushing at this point. And they're just yeah. going to keep doing that. And they're going to keep doing that. And so if they get sort of <laughs> second, you know, if, if they're going up against a team that's second worst at something, then the Jags automatically have a chance to become sort of second best at something for that one and only game. And so yeah, if they're able yeah. to do that, then covering seven and a half points becomes a lot easier, but they were still getting the value from the branding, you know, of all of this. And so, you know, you're, you're not often going to see a team get absolutely housed the way that the Titans did. And yes, give them credit for coming back, right? I still respect Mike Vrabel. I just don't know, you know, Mike Vrabel knows some of the rules, right? We've established that from, you know, his Patriots lineage and Belichick mm-hmm. and all of that sort of thing. He, he certainly gets all of the, you know, effort, if you will, from his players right to the bitter end. But from a planning standpoint, are we really all that impressed? Because he's certainly not doing anything on the offensive side, because that's Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator. And from a defensive standpoint, it's just never been very good. And so, you know, there's a possibility for a backdoor situation here for the Jags. We've also already seen these two teams play when people thought a lot more of the Titans and maybe they, you know, maybe it's still the same, right? Maybe they haven't changed it. You know, the opinions have gone up and down, but maybe we're still at that same level from week two, but the Jags should have won that game back when Gardner Minshew was playing quarterback. And so I'm not saying that, you know, like Mike Glennon is like great or anything like that. They certainly had their fair share of luck. And it's why I would sort of pump the brakes here. This is not going to be, I don't think a best bet of mine this week because they were relatively fortunate against the Vikings. It actually makes the Vikings a little bit more interesting given how sort of fluky their last two games have been. 
But for the Jags here, I just think that like if people are still willing to give us the hook on a seven here against a team that is fully capable of getting trounced by an okay Cleveland Browns team, like that just screams value here. And it's not like we're sitting there waiting for them to finally cover the way that we do with like the Cowboys or the Jets this season. Yeah. This is a team that's consistently got our money and, and cashed it for us. So why wouldn't we just sort of grin and bear it, if you will? Okay. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. I, gave me a lot to think about there. I like that. I like that. Um, also, as we just mentioned, the Cleveland Browns, nine and three Cleveland Browns. Sounds weird. I, I had to like reread that over again because I couldn't yeah. really process it from the, my brain to coming out of my mouth. But nine and three Cleveland Browns, one point dogs at home to the seven and five Ravens. The Browns put in a lot of work last week, right? Against the aforementioned Titans. But I'm still going to proceed with caution here because the problem is I've been off the Ravens as well for a while. Yeah. So this is a weird, a weird game because I'm not ready to crown the Cleveland Browns just yet, but I'm also not falling for the Ravens who, you know, beat the Cowboys. Like, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. I'm not going to give them credit for that. Now, yeah. this is going to be a battle of the running games, I'd assume, but is it a safe assumption that the Browns' offense is at least more capable of doing more things than Baltimore's? Or does it come down to the defense? Like, how are you reading this game? Because it's only... Yeah. Baltimore's one-point favorites? Like, that's a weird sure. one to me. Yeah, you know, and it's sort of look ahead. You know, we always sort of, you know, at least reference that as the starting point, right? And, of course, sure. the Ravens were favored by more than that. So you're right. Yeah. Like, yeah, people are starting to buy in here a little bit on the Browns, which is always a dangerous place to be for the Browns, <laughs> right? Like, just because Baker Mayfield wants to wake up, you know, feeling dangerous doesn't mean you have to on Monday yeah, night exactly. and just blindly back the Browns. So the truth of this is, I don't really have anything for you from like a side, you know, sort of a yeah, yeah, yeah. element here, right? I'm going, it's not going to be a big play for me. You and I will talk about this on my show on Monday yep. um, because, you know, like you said, like I, I don't really want to, you know, keep buying high on the Cleveland Browns here, but mm. you know, you watch the Ravens play and you go, okay, well, unless Lamar Jackson is getting loose out there, what's really all that frightening when it comes yeah. to the Ravens, right? And if they don't have a lead and can't just rotate those running backs in to pound you in your face yeah. all day long, right? It goes badly quickly. And the Ravens yeah. defense was not for me impressive at all against the Cowboys. And yeah. frankly, they were more impressive against the Steelers when they mm -hmm. were shorthanded. And, you know, the injuries are piling up. They tried to play Calais Campbell, but they had to get him off the field. He was so sort of, frankly bad yeah. because he's you know, frankly probably he's still hurt. injured and yeah and so now like you know the browns got smoked by the ravens in game one but the brave the browns smoked the ravens last season in one of the very few losses that the ravens took last year so i don't know that yeah. this is necessarily a case of well ravens own the browns you know yada 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 so mm -hmm. it's you know complete toss-up pick em game i think the line is correct because i'm sitting here on thursday you know looking ahead to that game and going like I don't really know what side I'm going to be on in this situation. Yeah. If you gave me three points either way, I would absolutely take that. And if it gets to one and a half either way, I'm probably teasing it up to plus yeah, seven yeah. and a half for either team. I don't really care. That being said, you know, this game could be a blowout for either team. And it just kind of matters who gets up 
first, right? This might be the game where whoever scores first, you live bet them because they can pull away based on what they're going to make the other team do offensively that is outside of their comfort zone. Yeah, and let's get back as we move on to another game here and get back to these interesting seven-point-ish lines. And we start with the Lions and the Packers. Is this game in Detroit or in Green Bay? I messed up here on my sheet here. It's It's in in Detroit. Detroit. So the Packers are seven-and-a-half-point road favorites against the Lions. And the Lions looked all right in their first game without Matty P., but that was against Mitch Trubisky, who is not Aaron Rodgers. Again, I don't love the extra half point, but I really don't love the Lions. So I I know this is kind of going on with the narrative of what you were just talking about here, but I can't really see myself taking the Lions here, can I? No. (laughs) Like, this is like, I don't want to say this is an easy one, but, you know, because, you know, there's no such thing as an easy bet in the NFL. But listen, they, the, you said that, you know, the Lions looked better without Matt Patricia, and that's just always going to be the case, whether you're talking about human beings standing next to Matt Patricia (laughs) or football teams not having to deal with Matt Patricia anymore, Uh, right? Because everybody hates Matt Patricia. This has been the year of the coaches getting fired and everybody just kind of high fiving each other, right? Which is the difference between why Anthony. Lynn still has a job because people like Anthony Lynn and they don't want to have like the month long celebration. Whereas like Matt Patricia, it's like Matt Patricia is gone. And like just people are (laughs) high fiving and it gives, it brings a spark to the team. Now that being said, they were still down 10 points to the bears having given up what 30 some odd points. And you and I were on the lions in that game because we're getting three points. And like I was on the lions money line because I'm like, listen, either one of these teams could win by two touchdowns and I wouldn't be that surprised. And of course, it ends up being that close of a game. And when the music stops, the Lions happen to have the lead, right? And so they've got their win, right? After the dead coach bounce, if you will, which we've seen every single time this season, right? With the Texans and so on and so forth. And so they've got that win. And I don't know that you can make this line all that much higher. You're not going to make it 10, right? Like, could it get to eight and a half? Could it get to nine? Like, all of that is very much possible. Packers are on the road. And as much as like, in our mind's eye, we always see Aaron Rodgers in Lambeau, slinging it around, you know, dancing around, whatever. I want even less to do with Aaron Rodgers or fading Aaron Rodgers when he's in a dome, right? Like it didn't end up going very well against the Colts a few weeks ago, right? Yeah. They're a bunch of turnovers, very weird type of game. But the right. Lions aren't that team that's going to turn you over in the same way that the Colts might be, right? And mm-hmm. so you've got fast track Aaron Rodgers against the Lions here. What's the amount of points that he's going to score given the fact that the Bears scored 30 last week, right? Yeah. 40 points. And so now we're needing the Lions Lions to keep up and when we fade the Packers like we did last week RIP to what I thought was a really good bet right before Aaron Jones ran for 70 billion yards when he could have just gone down or gone out of bounds going to be bitter about that one for a while Aaron Um, but when we're fading the Packers it's because we believe in a defense that can keep the Packers to 20-ish points because then all we need is a decent team that also runs the ball well and can get a couple of drives going get some field goals and get a touchdown or two late to hang in there with these really big spreads 
none of that really sounds like the Lions, does it, right? Like the defense isn't going to be there to sort of slow the Packers down. The offense in the run game isn't really going to be there to give them necessarily free points. So now it's going to be a Matt Stafford fling it all over the field fest, which again, might end up working out. They may end up covering this thing probably with a late touchdown in the back door, right? We hate all of that. You know, when we bet a team minus seven and a half, we need that team to be up like 17, 21 type of points here to be even feeling remotely comfortable. I think with the Packers, we may actually get that situation here. So at seven and a half, I'm still going to do it because like these other spreads, right? It's the reverse of the Tampa, Minnesota game where it's like, go ahead, please take the Lions plus seven and a half, giving you that's number seven. We all know how important that is. And I don't know that it matters for the Packers this week because I think they truck the Lions. Cool. I like it. I like it, which makes me very interested to hear what you're going to say about this next game. As we have my favorite team of this football season. And of course I'm being facetious because I'm talking about the three, eight and one Philadelphia Eagles. We're hosting the Saints as seven-point dogs. Now, again, super important here, the seven-ish point spread. But here, here's where I'm struggling with this line, okay? Right. I've been going against Taysom Hill for weeks. <laughs> I've been yeah. riding with the Eagles for weeks. Now, conventional wisdom tells me that I should probably just take the Saints here. Yeah. And yet, here we are, and I'm sitting here saying, I think I'm going to take the Eagles and Jalen Hurts. Not even because I think that Jalen Hurts is way better than Carson Wentz. I just think he might not do the normal fuckery that Carson Wentz does. <laughs> right. And if yeah, we you know my theory, that man. factor, can cover spray. <laughs> yeah. You know my theory, man. Anybody but Carson Wentz at this point. <laughs> I can't watch him rip his, you know, his chin strap off and his orange beard coming off the field after he's been sacked for the 11th time that game. I just cannot do like, it. Like, right? throw the ball away at some point. Do something. Like, just what are we doing? Do something. Carson and, Wentz and sacked, taken out of field goal range. How many times have we yes. seen Yes. Right. Like, Carson, like, on his tombstone, it's going to be Carson Wentz, right? Beloved father, you know, husband, Jeez. son, now we're killing et cetera, Carson et cetera. Wentz. What's happening and right now? <laughs> we've been killing him all year. We might as well bury him. <laughs> Right? Like the Jeez. Eagles have buried him. The Philadelphia oh. people have buried him. But on his tombstone, it is going to be Carson Wentz takes a sack to, you know, to knock them out of field goal range, right? Like that is what he does, right? So will Jalen Hurts necessarily do that? Obviously a guy who's even more mobile than Carson Wentz. So mm-hmm. yeah, maybe things get extended a little bit. We saw him and he was impressive in that he was able to scramble while also looking down the field. That being said, and here's the grossest part about all of this. You ready for this? We talked about the Thursday morning line moves. Yeah. This line's down to six and a half right now. It has come off of the key number of seven. People are on the Eagles yet again, right? So you're sort of Jeez. actually in line with mm. what, you know, where this price is ending up going. And I told yeah. people yesterday on my podcast, I was like, go ahead and grab seven because I think this has a better chance of going up seven to seven and a half than it does to six and a half. So I'm stunned by this because okay. still you know, we're starting 0-0 here against mm-hmm. the arguably, at least right now in the league, probably the best defense in the entire league yeah. here with a rookie quarterback. So as good as it may have sort of looked a little bit on a few plays here for Jalen Hurts against the Packers defense in sort of a lazy prevent, you know, not necessarily yeah, blitzing, not that kind defense. of thing, not really a real defense. 
we're going to talk about from like a start to finish Saints defense that he's got to deal with. Problem is, right, again, why did we like the Eagles last week and probably should have won that bet? Because of their defense and their ability to get the Packers off the field. And I think they're going to be able to get the Saints off the field in the same way that they did against, say, Russell Wilson, right? So sort of what's the max amount of points here that the Saints are really going to score on offense? Now, they could turn you know, Jalen Hurts over, get a fumble, get an interception, pick six, something along those lines. It's still a rookie quarterback getting his first start. And and a guy who, listen, not necessarily known for his throwing either, but that actually might work out for him in this one. So I'm not going to take you off of the Eagles in this one. It's just, I think I've just been through too much with the Eagles to really want anything to do with this game in general. Um, Now it's down to six and a half. And that's just sort of like absolute, like red alert, stay away type situation for me in this one. I just, I can't go back. I do actually like the Saints in a tease though. Whether it's seven or six and a half, you can get this number six point teaser down to a half or one, right? Because if this game is, and I always joke at the podcast, if this is a 19, you know, there's always a 19 in there somewhere in these janky games. If this is a 19 to 13 game, right? I still like obviously the Saints to win that game. So for them to win outright here is what I'm willing to rely on, but really nothing else in this game. <laughs> That's fair. That's totally fair. I wouldn't be advising anybody to bet a lot of money in anything to do with the Philadelphia Eagles, but also wouldn't advise anyone to bet a lot of money on anything involving the 0-12 Jets, who are in Seattle as 13.5-point underdogs. And, okay, if you're still alive in your survivor pool, I'm assuming this is probably going to be most people's survivor pick if you still have the Seahawks available. But I can't lie, like – as much as I'm, I'm going to take the points, right? The 13 and a half sure. points. Okay. But in the back of my mind, I'm kind of worried about the Jets. I just feel like they got to win at some point, don't they? Or well, like, they, it's just, this is just weird. Like, <laughs> no, no, no. But I'm just like, no, I know what you I, I mean. Overall, right? I'm confused by the Jets because to me, it's like, okay, you fire Greg Williams to throw people off the scent. Sure. Like, oh, right. no, no, no. We weren't trying to lose a game, which. I'm almost so tired of that argument because like either way you're losing games because you're a moron. Right. So like, (laughs) so however you want to take that cool, but the Seahawks, like they can't really lose like, and I'm talking survivor here. Sure. Lose to the giants and jets and back to back weeks. Like that's not really a thing that's possible here. Right. No. And that's the problem because or not the problem, but that's the situation that we've sort of led ourselves to believe here based on how these seasons started and that we had the jets and giants as these sort of two entities, you know, in part because neither of them team, you know, had a win for a long time, but also in part because they're both in New York and obviously there's a ton of publicity involved that we always have to talk about them one way or another. Right. Mm -hmm. So for me, here you now we have to sort of realize you know the giants are five win team and the jets are a zero win team and like (laughs) yeah do they have to win at some point in theory but like that was last week they did it they should have and they didn't right and like and it's over and so now they don't have to win (laughs) another game this season or a game this season because whether it was the patriots game a couple of weeks before that or that game last week those were victories they did it they did what they had to do to win the game and they just opted not to for various reasons and so okay does that mean now that they have to beat the browns in a couple of weeks or that they are a threat to beat the seahawks here no and you know you'd expect me to be like oh big you know spread here take all these points num 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 but like 
I don't know that I can do that because again, this is the oh. Jets here. And what I mean by that is, you know, again, different from the Giants in that like the defense isn't the same. James Bradbury, right? Our character from Love Actually is not going to suit up for the Jets here and handle DK Metcalf because yeah. we watched that game last week and we watched Darren Waller just do whatever he wanted to against that sure. Giants, or excuse me, against that Jets, Jets. defense, right? Mm-hmm. And so whether it's a tight end or whether it's a DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett or the combination of those two, why wouldn't those guys sort of run wild? Now, the problem okay. is I'm not looking to bet the Seahawks in this either because as we've talked about, Pete Carroll rocking the conservative vibes here now, right? Punting yeah. from the 36-yard line. You cannot cover 14 points if you opt to punt when you're even remotely close to the end zone here, right? If you're opting for field goals instead of touchdowns, if you are opting for punts instead of field goals or going for it, it's going to be very difficult in a game that has maybe 10 possessions on either side for you to win that game by two touchdowns, right? And by the way, when was the last time this, you know, the Seahawks won by such a large number, right? This is a team that is vastly overrated and it's still the Jets though. And the matchup doesn't really work out for the Jets, right? And you're going to have Jamal Adams probably strip sacking Sam Darnold multiple times. Like Sam Darnold's going to turn the ball over a ton. So this is absolutely a Seahawks survivor pick. We've been there throughout the season where you go, I'll take them in survivor, but I'm going to walk away because I'm not asking them to cover two touchdowns here. Just have them win the game and let's move on to next week. This isn't even a situation where I'm dying to back the underdog and try to get a middle here when the game ends, you know, 10, 7, something along those lines from a, you know, winning margin standpoint. I like it. I like it. Let's, let's kind of pick things up here with some, some quick picks, some hot reads here. And, you know, these involve some teams that I don't really want to spend a lot of time talking about, and they just so happen to be playing against each other. So here we are, works out perfectly, but four and eight Falcons as road favorites, two and a half point favorites against the chargers. I literally have no idea what to do with this game. Normally I would take the points, but I want nothing to do with the Chargers. So I am forced, I think, to take the Falcons. Yeah, very quickly here, right? Uh, Why would you want to bet on either of these teams, right? Falcons as road favorites here, like what have they done to deserve anything, right? And what the Chargers do, we talked about how good they are in theory from a yardage standpoint, offense and defense, Mm -hmm. right? But they're going to blow games in the tiniest ways, right? But are the Falcons the team that's going to take advantage of that? And it doesn't really feel like that, right? This is a team that can't even convert in the red zone with a veteran quarterback. Like you would think they would have a plan at some point to get somebody open. And by the way, they have a handful of guys who are more than capable of getting open and making catches. They just for some reason don't and cost us last week. So I don't want anything to do with the Falcons, but maybe the Chargers have quit. Now that's an easy narrative thing. And a lot of people will sort of say that, but like people still have pride, right? Like if I'm lined up against you, I still want to win that matchup, right? And I'm a professional and all of that sort of thing, right? And so I don't know that that's necessarily going to be the case. What I would do when you say, like, I don't know what to do with this game, we talked about, for example, like the Saints and teasing that number down. We always talk on my podcast, look for 
plus two and a halves to tease up to eight and a half. That obviously here is the Chargers at plus eight and a half. I think that's phenomenal value for a for team sure. that before last week would be, you listen, they were a two point favorite against the Patriots. They were going to be a two and a half to three point favorite against the Falcons. And so you're essentially getting 11 and a half points from where the line was last week. And you're only paying minus 270 as part of the teaser leg. And there's more than enough teaser options out there with all these seven point spreads that you can kick down to one, one and a half. And obviously a handful of plus two and a halfs as well out there to tease up whether we're talking about the Giants or the Steelers. It's a tease festival this week. And so the important (laughs) thing here with the Chargers is they're very much involved in that festival because I wouldn't rely on the Falcons to win by 10 points. I don't care who's quitting on what team at this point. (laughs) For sure. Moving on, we got the four and eight Texans in a pick'em game against the five and seven Bears. In a pick'em game, why would I even consider taking the Bears? Because uh, they're going to win the game outright. The what? Bears are going to win this. Absolutely, okay. yes. Okay, this is, okay. This is sort of like the Giants' light at this point because both lines opened at two and a half, right? Ooh. And now we've seen the Giants tick down to one and a half. We've seen this one tick down to pick them. I like that, you know, it's the same situation. Okay. I was hoping to get three. Can people get excited about Houston? Deshaun Watson, he's so much better than Trubisky, you know, da 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 right? Oh, they passed on Watson. Like, he's going to have vengeance or whatever as if he hasn't trying every other week. Yeah. Um, didn't end up happening, right? The money okay. came in okay. on the Bears, right? So it's funny to watch the market. And that's why you have to at least watch the market from the start of the week because then you go – if you have an inkling, oh, there's some value there, and then you watch that value go away, it's at least telling you that you're on the right track with regards gotcha. to big money betters, right? You go, oh, okay, so like I wasn't the only one who thought that that line was too high or too low, et cetera, et cetera, right? Trubisky, right? Obviously, the highlight is the fumble that was really ugly, right? But they still were able to move the ball against, listen, totally. not a very good defense. But guess what? Texans, not a very good defense either. <laughs> so there's no worry about asking Trubisky to move the ball against a quality defense in this situation, right? And as we look back on this, especially having, you know, gone through the Nick Foles, what, six, seven games, you go, you know, Trubisky won those first two games and was a relatively quick hook in that game at Atlanta in week three. And then for some reason in part because of injury they refuse to go back to him well now they're back to him and they've got some a decent ground game going mixing mixing david montgomery with Corderell patterson i even saw them and lo and behold here running trubisky in an actual organized way where they're like third and one let's run a trubisky sweep here i've been like i've been waiting all season for this type yeah. of thing right they're now using cole Komet, their rookie tight end out of notre dame at, you know, more this season, they're sort of slowly getting Jimmy Graham and his mega washedness out of the mix. And by the way, they still have Allen Robinson, who's going to do damage in the secondary against a Texans team that still is just Deshaun Watson. And that's one thing when you're at home or you're in a dome and you're going against the Lions or the Patriots defense, or even a Colts team that just was dying to give that game away. Against the Bears here, if the Bears defense shows up, it's going to be way more difficult for the Texans here. I like the Bears here. Remember, the Bears were minus three favorites, and for much of that game, looked full value on that and looked like they were going to cover that game. And for me, you know, I realize the Texans beat the Lions pretty good on Thanksgiving, but that was a two and a half point spread. I don't know that there's that much difference between the Lions and the Texans at this point, especially with all the guys that are out for the Texans that we talked about last week. So yeah, the reason to bet the Bears here is because they're going to win the game. See, this is a lesson of, of what I talked about earlier in the pod. Context matters in terms of where the line was, 
where it is and where it's going. And that's why we do the podcast. That's why we discuss these things. It's not just BS. I'm saying here, this is a reality of the situation. Uh, <laughs> let's keep things rolling though. Uh, three and nine Cowboys, three and a half point road favorites against the Bengals. And this is really gross, like really, really gross. But I think the overall thing here is the Bengals can't score points. And the Cowboys at least have players on offense that I think can. Uh, I got to tell you, I absolutely love the Dallas Cowboys in this game. Okay. I know. Okay. I know. It's, <laughs> I'm not, it sounds hey. insane, but I, I, I was impressed. What people don't understand is, and listen, it gets buried. Like the Bengals have been buried as the seventh most interesting game at one o'clock for yeah. the last two weeks, right? If they were shown on Tuesday, on Sunday, on any time, right? Thursday morning, right? If you'd seen the Bengals play in the last couple of weeks, you'd be like, that's actually right now, this second, the worst team in the entire NFL. That includes the Jets. That includes the dead Chargers. That includes everybody involved. The Bengals are absolutely the worst, right? And so, you know, you can look at that game against the Cowboys or with the Cowboys against the Ravens and be like, man, like the fourth quarter, like they just didn't want anything to do with the rest of that game. And you can sort of make the narrative thing like, oh, they quit or like the defense gave up or the defense is just bad or blah, 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 blah. But would you want to get hit in the mouth for 60 minutes of that rotating group of running backs that the Ravens run at your face? And then while you're getting hit in the face with those running backs, you look up and you realize that Lamar Jackson never actually handed the ball off. And now he's scampering and you got to go chase him down. That's awful. And I would be out on that too, right? And so now you're going up against the Bengals. Classic situation, very similar to Minnesota, where it's like, now we go on the road, still on the road, but like, we're not going back to people booing us at home, all 11 people in Cowboy Stadium. We're going, you know, on the road to a Cincinnati team. And it's just like, it might as well just be in a field somewhere because there's just no (laughs) home field advantage element there to a team that's not going to do that offensively to you, whether it's Brandon Allen or Ryan Finley. And it's like Gio Bernard is the guy who's going to hit you in the face all game (laughs) long. Like that's not going to happen. And so way easier defensively, they may shut them out. And I'm talking about the Cowboys defense at this point in time. Right. And so like, what's the maximum amount of points the Bengals are going to score here? 14 like that's kind of really being generous I think and from the Cowboys standpoint they still have the guys on that team the weapons they were still able to get the ball in the hands of the Coopers and the Lambs and all of that sort of thing and so I like the Cowboys here to like it's just going to be one of those games where you look up and it's like Cowboys won 27 to 10 and you're like yeah the Bengals are atrocious like you have to understand and like we're always worried about the Cowboys offensive line but that was the thing that I was most impressed with against the Ravens they held up against the Ravens defense that again bit of a shadow of their former selves but the Bengals are a shadow of nothing at this point in time so like why would I be worried about the offensive line holding up against the Bengals so Andy Dalton by the way returning to Cincinnati so a little motivation there so if they care at all about Andy Dalton they're going to be a little bit more focused especially lost there's still pride on that team they're not that far back of the giants and the washington football team here for that division so yeah i think they go to cincinnati and i think they smoke the Bengals here it's it's interesting right it's just seeing that image of cowboys as three and a half point favorites that's what's throwing me off that's what's scaring me sure i didn't i don't like it i don't like it at all but i'm picking up what you're putting down Yeah, who's going to bet the Bengals, though, right? Like, that's why it's three and a half. Because, like, do you yeah, want plus yeah, three yeah. and a half with the Bengals? Like, do you really? Like, I do don't. Do you really want to do that? No, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. 
Um, I didn't see a line for the Broncos and Panthers. I don't sure. know if that's changed as of this point, but that's all right. I want to ask you though, yeah. where, wh- what, what else is going on with you? Where can the people find you? What else is going on <laughs> with you? Podcast wise, also sure. just gambling wise on the window podcast. Absolutely. Three and two last week in the circa million, which, you know, we've talked about, you know, the week that we went four and one where everybody went oh and five and, you know, it, different sort of weeks mean different things. Unfortunately, three and two, while sort of good for the overall record, usually means we can move up. Wasn't the case this past week because like the consensus went five and oh. So we dropped from oh, tied wow, for 80th okay. only down to tied for 88th. So I was actually kind okay. of happy that we didn't drop that far down top 50 um get the cash we are one point out of that top 50 we have suffered three of the worst beats this season in the last two weeks right chargers bills was a game that we were on the aaron jones philadelphia non-cover against the packers and of course todd Gurley running sideways and backwards at one point on third (laughs) and two with the falcons and the saints this past weekend right so those three points would literally have us up in the top 10 even two out of three of those would have us in the top 20 so we're not going to see those you know we're not going to get those back because we're just never going to get that lucky in the same way that we were unlucky so uh, still 20 more games left to pick, right? Five games every week against the spread. Uh, I announced those on Sunday morning's podcast, right? We do sort of t- quick 20-minute show talking about the line moves, you know, make sure you get your survivor pick in and sort of what yeah. my best bets are, right? So we went three and two in the Circa Million, but five and two overall in the best bets this past week. So all in all, a good week. It just, you know, we talked about yeah. it on Monday. It just didn't feel that good because you had the bad taste in your mouth from that sort of thing. Friday is the big breakdown show. So as much as we sort of talk about it and we get a little bit deep here, I literally go sort of five to 10 minutes on each game on Friday's show. So you have sort of the weekend to kind of listen to that and be ready to go and make your, you know, feel free to make your own decisions, right? Come Sunday morning, or hopefully you've made them throughout the week because again, these line moves and maybe you want to switch. Um, For the YouTube folks, this is what the podcast looks like. It's called the Window Sports Betting Podcast. Come hang out um, with us daily podcast we're starting to dip our toe into the college basketball scene there's high demand people are like you know what on these on the few days where there's not actually football and you know there's no nba yet no nhl it's like you know college basketball is on and people are looking for picks and so we're sort of trying to get into that a little bit more still closing out the college football season here bowl season who knows how many of those there's actually going to be so there's a ton of stuff going on gonna have a sort of best of podcast later on this month sort of a year in review sort of with all of the different um, interviews that I've had over the course of the season so anyway tons going on available anywhere that you get your podcasts uh, the window sports betting podcast amazing my dude and of course make sure that you follow Mr. Russell on Twitter that's M Russ authentic and you know get your picks but also follow along especially come Sunday when if you're late in the game trying to figure out what to make your last minute picks on you'd better be listening to that Sunday morning podcast for the best bets because my guy is on fuego right now. So really appreciate you tuning in, of course, and you, Mr. Russell, for checking in as you always do on Thursday. For those familiar with the pod and what we do here, know that I will be on Mr. Russell's podcast on Mondays as we break down what happened on football Sunday each and every week. So I always look forward to that. 
But of course, this is the On Blast Podcast Network. We got a bunch of stuff up and running on the On Blast Network. Uh, the challenge is back. So we got a bunch of episodes that are up and running this week on a preview episode of the season. We got uh, episode one recap as the first episode premiered. Basketball is up and running as James Harden continues to hold the basketball world hostage. So we got our Ball on Blast podcast up and running each and every week. There should be a new episode of that hitting your eardrums by the end of this week. And of course, Wrap It Up is on the way soon. The only live and interactive Raptors post-game show. Really appreciate you joining us here on this, the football pod, from a gambling perspective close out every week as I always do because I really did used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this this is I'll name this football pod later part of the on blast podcast network as always unpolished and unapologetic until next time see ya on blast